everything at KBLA 1580. Let me also invite you right now to download our app and listen to us anywhere in the world in real time. Uh, KBLA 1580 is where you find the app. You can download it right now. Should you miss us any day in real time, check out the podcast of our program by going to the app, the website, Anchor, Spotify, Apple, so many places to get the podcast and listen at your leisure should you miss us any day in real time. But I am delighted to have you along live with us today for the next three hours. You can also watch the live stream of this program by tapping on the KBLA TV icon on our app or by going to our YouTube channel. And finally, let me also invite you uh, to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The Real Tab. It's smiley and get Twitter updates at Tavis Smiley. Another great show on tap you today in our second hour. An in-depth conversation with New York Times bestselling author and Dartmouth professor Jeff Charlotte on the powerful currents beneath the roiled waters of a nation coming apart. As Charlotte sees it, the dimensions of American politics over the past decade have regressed into delusion, social division into distrust, distrust into paranoia and hatred into fantasies, sometimes realities of violence. One of America's finest reporters and essayists, Jeff Charlotte, joins us in Hour 2. In our third hour, two conversations. Up first, writer, actor, and director Damien D. Smith on an ambitious documentary project called Target St. Louis, which tells the story about a secret and dark U.S. government environmental project that targeted black populations. On the B side of our three. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been held in your hand. She has the number one gospel track in the From nation the right now. Gospel great Cece Winans joins us on the backside of our three to talk about her album, her tour, her book, and a big Mother's Day weekend event. Cece Winans is busy. I am mad at her. She'll slow down just long enough, though, to speak with us on the B side of our three. But in this first hour today, a conversation with a roundtable of black media journalists to unpack their observations about the trial and conviction of Mark Ridley Thomas, and more specifically, how they viewed mainstream media coverage. I suspect we'll also wrestle with what that conviction means for the community and how the community can respond as we move through this hour. So I'm pleased now to introduce an all-star panel of African-American journalists. Lisa Collins is the founder and publisher of LA Focus, a newspaper spotlighting news of interest to LA's African-American community. Lisa Collins, good to see you as always. Good to see you, Tavis. Good to have you here. David Miller, co-founder and CEO of Our Weekly, uh, as co-owner of uh, the Our Weekly group of newspapers in L.A. Since its inception in 2004, David has developed successful sales strategies and marketing plans for the very popular weekly periodical, which I might add has the best covers. <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> of, you. Of any publication around. David, good to see you, my friend. Thank you. Pluria Marshall, CEO of Marshall Broadcasting Group, one of the largest African-American-owned TV companies in the U.S. and also is the company the parent company behind the Wave newspapers, Pluria Marshall, good to see you, sir. Tavis, thank you for having us. Good to have you on, man. Um, let's get started. I'm glad I got the hour, and it took a while to get this together. We could have done this weeks ago, uh, but it, uh, or I should say days ago, but it took a while to get everybody's schedules coordinated. But I've been fascinated and anxious to have a conversation specifically, uniquely, and frankly, unapologetically about the way the black press uh, has viewed uh, the, the trial and the conviction of MRT, which I suspect is different. Uh, than the way the mainstream media has seen or covered uh, these proceedings. I say, I suspect, that's a lie, I know. And I know because we hired our own justice correspondent, as you know, 
uh, Dion Raymond to go to court every day. She was the, uh, the only reporter that I knew who was in the courtroom every single day, didn't miss a single moment of this trial, gavel to gavel uh, coverage. Uh, and she would check in every day at 435 with uh, our own Ariva Martin, host of Ariva Martin in Real Time, um, to give this audience, um, give L.A., frankly, uh, and the nation. I had people calling me from all across the country who were listening every day at 435 to hear the daily download of what happened in the courtroom that day. And so when the trial was over, uh, I had uh, Dion on my program to thank her, number one, for doing such a great coverage for us, but also to ask her, uh, her uh, opinion and get her observations, her reflections on what she witnessed in that courtroom and to compare and contrast that with what she was saying in the mainstream media. Uh, more to the point, uh, there was a particular day when there was a, a certain guest on a certain uh, radio station in the city, another talk station, who I heard who was opining on the case and the ad hominem attack against MRT uh, and the ways in which this particular person, uh, so-called journalist, uh, was uh, uh, frankly just denigrating MRT in very personal ways disturbed me. And so I, I got a copy of that interview on another talk station, played it on our station, uh, and had Ariva just take her time and dissect it. Ariva, as you know, is a Harvard-trained lawyer herself, and she spent uh, a good part of her show dissecting uh, this particular uh, commentary on another talk station in town as an example of why you need the black media, why you need the black press, because it was so clear uh, that they were biased in the way they were covering this particular trial. We'll get, we'll get to the conviction later in this conversation, no question about that. Um, the jury has spoken. Uh, the case will be on appeal, but we, we will deal with the realities of what the jury had to say. Let me back up before that, though, and start with you, Lisa, and just get your, your, your observations broadly. We'll narrow this as we move through the hour. But broadly speaking, as a member of the black media who owns a black media publication, what were your thoughts? What are your reflections on the trial, on the conviction, broadly speaking? Well, I was actually at the courthouse during the deliberations, mm -hmm. and I was there for the testimony of the star witness uh, for the prosecution, which would have been the FBI agent. Mm -hmm. And what I saw and witnessed was a whole lot different than what was expressed in the LA Times, for example, and the mainstream media in general. Uh, they seemed to have a more accusatory, it seemed to be more prosecuted. They were doing the prosecutor's job, it seemed to me. The press, you thought? The press, okay. the, the mainstream press. Mm -hmm. not, not, not all of them, but I would say in great measure the LA Times was mm -hmm. uh, very much involved in taking the, highlighting what they felt were the convicting points of the trial. We sat there and during the deliberations and there were a lot of questions and you could even see where they put the emphasis on. Um, of particular note to me was when the jury foreperson came out after the trial. Mm -hmm. And I heard what she heard, I mean, what she said, and it was a whole lot different than what was reported. And in fact, it seemed as if they went back and cleaned up some of what she said. And by that, you mean the LA Times? By that, I mean the LA Let me Times. put a final point on that. We'll move forward and come and get uh, more with Lisa, uh, with David, and with Pluria. What I believe Lisa is talking about, if I'm wrong, disabuse me of this notion, uh, but I felt and heard the same thing. Uh, and I turned it into an editorial on our station that you may have heard. Specifically, the jury for a woman after the case in the hallway at the courthouse said um, that the jury was confused by the jury instructions. The jury was confused by the judge's orders or answers to their certain questions. Um, she confessed and admitted that some juries were not paying attention and said that they believed that the $100,000 gift uh, that MRT gave to USC was, in fact, legal. They had other issues that they eventually came to working their way backwards on the last day. 
but that's what she said the day after. When I heard that, I was stunned. And I was so stunned that I turned it into an editorial that's been running. It's not running now. We ran it for 10 or 12 days on this station every hour because we wanted the audience to hear what we heard the jury foreperson say. The Times did not report that for days. And when they finally got around to it, it was, it was I mean, I saw the article. You all saw it. There were literally three or four questions in a row honing in on this word confused. It was clear to me that they had heard the editorial <laughs> and that they were trying to use Lisa's phrase to sort of clean this up. But I couldn't understand why they took so long to report that. That would have been a huge headline, it seems to me, given what the jury foreperson said. Not what Tavis or Lisa or David Apluria said, but the jury foreperson said. And again, I don't want to just bash on the Times. As I said earlier, my first example was not the Times, but another public radio station in this city that w- w- was doing the same sort of thing. Uh, but I was troubled by why it took so long to report something that was so clearly a major story to me. I'll put a pin in that and digress for the moment when we come forward. More with Lisa Collins, uh, Pluria Marshall, and David Miller. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580 as we discuss the black press's uh, observations of the trial and conviction of Mark Ridley. Conversations that matter. matter. You're listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Glad to have you with us in this first hour today as we continue our conversation now about the black press's observations of the trial and conviction of one uh, Mark Rudy Thomas in the case of USA v. MRT. Please be joined in studio. Well, actually, I'm lying. We're not in studio. We're in the conference room because there's so many of them. We can't fit in my little small studio, so we're in the conference room. So for those who have really, really good hearing, you can probably tell a little bit different, uh, a, little bit, a, a bit of a difference in the sound. Uh, hopefully it's clear and audible to you. I know it is, but uh, if you hear a little bit different uh, sound in the first hour than from the second and third hours, it's because I'll be back in my studio in hour two, but in hour one, we are city, seated uh, in the conference room uh, to accommodate all of our guests in this hour. Our guests include Lisa Collins of LA Focus, David Miller of Our Weekly, and Pluria Marshall of Marshall Broadcasting Group, which includes, of course, the Wave newspapers. Lisa, we were, you were saying before the break, I want to come back and let you finish, but a quick question, because again, I'm told by Dion Raymond, our justice correspondent, who was in the hallway with the jury for a woman when she was talking to the press, and two things sort of struck me as odd and interesting, and they struck Dion the same way. One, I'm told that the Marshall Uh, on the uh, advice or the suggestion or the demand of the prosecution told people to stop recording, to stop recording what the jury foreperson was saying, but that you and and Dion were not the only person in that hallway. LA Times was there. There were other folk I'm told in the hallway, but the prosecution was pressing the marshal to get y'all to stop recording what the jury foreperson was saying, true or false, yes or no? True. Okay, that's a true story. That's a true story. So there are people in that hallway who have copies who have audio of what the jury foreperson was saying. Absolutely. All right. My sense is the LA Times probably has that as well, which underscores the point once again as to why it took so long for this particular story to be written. And then the story was written, they went really hard on trying to back up, uh, to backpedal, as it were, to give her an opportunity uh, to try to explain, uh, to put a different spin, rather, on the word, the definition of the word confused. When I saw that story, I thought of, the Trump administration when they suggested that there were alternative facts. Well, there ain't no such thing as alternative facts. Either she said it or she didn't. And why you would encourage folks to turn off their, or not just encourage, demand through the marshal uh, at the advice of the prosecution that people turn off their tapes. They're not in the courtroom. The case is over. They're in the hallway. That's a legitimate space to talk to people in the hallway, unless there's something about that building, criminal court building that I'm unaware of. But I just found that to be a bit curious. Okay, just want to double check since you were there whether or not you saw and witnessed uh, and were... Uh, uh, subject to the same sort of um, demands by the uh, by the marshals that uh, Dion Raymond had previously reported to me. That said, there's another point you wanted to make. 
I wanted to make the point that it wasn't what you said about what the jury foreperson said was distressing. But what was most distressing to me were comments like what it came down to is we were trying to find evidence for the bribery charge. Mm -hmm. Words like that. Mm -hmm. Words like... Trying to find. Trying to find. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Words like many of the jurors felt there was no connection between Mark and the USC. They were basically asking us to say that he was getting benefits for his son as far as admission, and we couldn't agree beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, So there were statements that they were making. Um, A a reporter asked uh, the foreperson, do you feel he sold his vote? She said no. Uh, she said at first she said I don't know what that means but if you mean do I feel he changed his vote no mm-hmm. and then she went on to say it was just very contradictory did you ever get the sense I asked Dion this question and I want to ask you did you ever get the sense being there uh, regularly Lisa and being in that particular conversation um, that seemed to contradictory to you did you ever get the sense that this jury with all due respect was in over its head I got I got the, yeah I got that from the questions they asked yeah. they asked five days of deliberation almost a dozen questions yeah a lot of questions yeah. and the questions were what is honest services what yeah. is uh, met what is it uh, oh they asked at one point uh, do we have to prove that he was whatever mm-hmm. and I the judge made an off comment saying no that's the prosecution's job it's not your job to prove anything. Right, yeah. but it seemed as if they were confused. Yeah, my about my, their favorite, my favorite question was: Is there a difference between unlawful and illegal? Right. <laughs> that was right. my that's my personal favorite question: a difference between unlawful and illegal. I digress. Um, that's Lisa Collins. We'll come back to later in this conversation. Uh, David Miller is the uh, is the co-founder and CEO of Our Weekly, another black media outlet in this city. Uh, pleased to have David Miller in uh, in our conversation today. David, your arch overarching um, observations uh, about the trial and the verdict. Actually, Tabitha. Really, I have. It's, it's been really interesting to see the outcome of everything. Mm-hmm. I think, for the most part, when it comes to the African American community, there were so many folks favorable of MRT. Mm-hmm. Uh, to see the outcome blew me away. I was taken back. Uh, in fact, you, I was you, out of you, town. Did, you didn't expect it. I did not expect what, it. What did you expect? A hung jury or, or acquittal? Mainly a hung jury. Mm-hmm. Um, I was out of town when I got the news uh, of the, or the verdict. Mm-hmm. Um, it blew me away because I did not attend the trial at all due to other um, other responsibilities. Mm-hmm. However, I was updated on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have known MRT for almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. By far, he has been one of the most straight-laced politicians I have ever known. So with that being said, the community, is, the community highly supports Mark. Mm-hmm. And to hear what truly happened with a lot of uncertainties in the very beginning, I really thought, first of all, with the trial ending so soon, Mm -hmm. I just really knew that he was going to be in good shape. Uh, So I think the black community is really just blown away with what has happened. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been fascinated, uh, David, to read all of the articles. I I, pride myself in getting up early in the morning and reading as much as I can before I come on the air at 9 o'clock. I don't catch everything, but if I miss it in the morning, I'll catch it in the afternoon. Um, this job demands that you be as well-versed as you can be on a variety of subject matter, obviously, when you're changing guests and topics every every hour for three hours every day of the week. Um, but I, I've tried to keep up with pretty much everything on the MRT case because I know Mark as well for 30-plus years. And I've been amazed. Uh, maybe amazed is too strong a word. I think others have been amazed. Um, I've been pleased to see Um that to a publication, everybody has been trying to wrestle with your very point. 
that the community sees this very differently. And they're feeling very differently about this than other politicians who've been found um, guilty of various things. Why do you think MRT is seen and viewed so differently, held in, at a different level of esteem than others that the local media pointed to who've been convicted of various things over the past number of years? I think for the most part, Tabith, that's simple. Yeah. He's an African-American male. Mm -hmm. It always appeared that when an African-American male in particular mm -hmm. is moving up the ranks and doing extremely well, there's always something mm -hmm. to try to knock them down. Um, I'm blown away with even our former president. Everything that's going on with our former president, and mm -hmm. it's like he's gotten away with all of this, mm -hmm. and there's been no no accountability. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, I'm just appalled at how things have turned out uh, because he does not deserve this initially with cutting, taking his pay away, his mm -hmm. benefits. Mm -hmm. You know, this man has, has a livelihood. Yeah. And it wasn't treated fairly compared to a lot of not only politicians, but a lot of uh, police officers. Um, they own, own leave with pay. Mm -hmm. So uh, I just think this has been really the demise of a black man. Yeah. Uh, it's fascinating when you, when you look back on it. Um, I've tried to see this through a, a different lens, and that is to say that MRT was successfully beating back 12 of those charges. That's tough to do when you, you got the, mm -hmm. with all the government resources coming at you. You beat back 12 of those charges, number one. Number two, I think of all the fights, to your point, David, he had to fight before he got to the big fight. I mean, you have to fight and spend all your time and all your resources trying to get your money back. You know, run me my coins, trying to get your health, your health care back and your pension back. Right. Things that should not have been taken away in the first place. You spend all your time focused on that, and you still got the big fight in front of you. Exactly. Uh, none of us would want to be in those shoes. So I take your point um, loud and clear. Uh, Plurier Marshall, same question, sir. Big picture, how, how have you seen this ordeal unfold? Uh, thank you, Tavis. Um, and to uh, Lisa and David. Good to see you guys. Same here. Uh, we need to do this more more often. Um, I was not surprised. Mm -hmm. um, the mainstream media and the machines that he was fighting up uh, against. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, I mean, USC. When when you look at what happened, and I was talking to Lisa about this, and I couldn't believe. It. I was like, well, well, he didn't commit a crime. He he checked all the boxes. This almost goes back to our mayor mm. who had a, an instance where she went in, checked all the boxes, everything was, was fully vetted, and that they still attempted to drag her through the mud during her campaign to be mayor. So, you know, Mark's challenge is, I mean, Mark, Mark is a tough guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he, he has done volumes uh, for the community, always has. Um, he's a friend to us. He is. Uh, we have always uh, known where we sat with Mark. Um, he has been supportive. And for them to go after him, um, and, and ultimately, there are probably mitigating circumstances that, you know, we don't know. But what we see, we know the man. You know, there's no myth. There is, is no legend. Yeah. MRT has, has always delivered. Yeah. And, you know, I've been in L.A. for, you know, 25 years. I worked with David, you know. Uh, years ago, and, and we've always had access to Mark.
Let, let me let me let me press on two things. I'm watching my clock here, we've got news, traffic, and sports in about three minutes. Um, so let me just do a few things quickly here. Period. Number one, um, when you say that MRT is a friend, um, that does make him unique. He's pretty much a friend of everybody in the black. <laughs> most of us in the black media have known him because he's been around for so long, right? Mm-hmm. You can't help but know him because right. he's been around for thirty plus years as an elected official. But when you say that he's a friend, uh, how do you respond to people who say, "Well, maybe that's the problem with the black press that y'all see Mark through the lens of being a friend, and you can't judge this situation." fairly or squarely well i mean you know you tell your friends when when they do wrong oh yeah yeah ultimately and and you know having access um i mean i'm sure the folks at the la times would would, would say um name a mayor that is their friend Mm -hmm. you know uh ultimately uh as as david said black men are, are constantly torn down in America, mm-hmm. um, you know, Tavis, I, I've been in the media business for a very, a very long time, mm-hmm. and ultimately, whenever we achieve, it's always like, well, well, how they do that? Well, what happened? You know, um, we don't get the same breaks mm-hmm. that general market folks do. And, and look, we're, we're not looking for any handouts. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just looking for what uh, what's fair. And if I can take two quick seconds sure. uh, to just talk about. What you do every day, what, what Lisa does, uh, David and Natalie, what, what I do, we need the community to talk to the advertisers, not the agencies, mm-hmm. the advertisers, to support KBLA, to support our publications. Because ultimately, the resources that we need to cover the community uh, more effectively just aren't there. Yeah. You know? and, and overall, print has had massive problems and, and challenges. Uh, a different story, different conversation. But you know, as as they say, when the elephant catches a cold, the gnats, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, basically die. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have a massive, massive challenge into funding our newsrooms and doing the, doing all that we need to do. We'll come back to that. Uh, as you said earlier, maybe we should do this more often. Uh, this uh, this sort of African American uh, press uh, roundtable may become a staple mm-hmm. uh, on this show, or certainly on this station. So I I, I take uh, uh, the entreaty. Um, and I hear your point about the, the the difficulty that the black press has. And let me just put a final point on that. It's not that Ployer raises this point, at least to my ears, to my mind, um, you know, as uh, in some sort of selfish, uh, with some sort of selfish motive. It is the point that it's difficult for us to do what we need to do if we don't have the resources. And let me just put a final point on it again. We had to go get a justice correspondent to go sit in that courtroom every day. That costs us a lot of money that we did not have, <laughs> and that money was not in my budget. I had to go find money that I didn't have to make sure that Deion Raymond could be paid to spend all those hours every day in that courtroom, but it was important for me, for this audience, to get an unvarnished view from somebody who looked like us, who's sitting there telling you stuff anybody else going to tell you. To Pluria's point, that takes resources. I digress for the moment. We'll come back to that perhaps later in this conversation or a future conversation. Much want to talk about when we come forward about MRT. Uh, and the observations of the trial and the verdict as seen through the lens of the black press on KBLA Talk 1580. Anyway, our guest at this hour, as we continue our conversation uh, about the black press and its observations of the trial and conviction of MRT, our guest, David Miller, of course, of our weekly, uh, Lisa Collins of LA Focus, uh, Pluria Marshall of Marshall Broadcasting Group, which includes, of course, The Wave newspaper, and now joined by Regina Wilson, Executive Director of California Black Media. Glad to have her in. Uh, the traffic from the Inland Empire ain't no joke, but she made it in from the Inland, Inland Empire, and we'll talk to Regina here in just a second. Uh, before I do that, though, back to you, Pluria Marshall. Um, you make this point earlier, and David kind of said something similar, and I'm curious how you respond to those who are listening right now 
including Bernard Parks, <laughs> respectfully, and others, who would argue and have argued that didn't nobody go after MRT. It's like the Beretta theme song, right? You do the crime, you do the time. Didn't nobody go after MRT. How do you respond to folk who feel that way, Pluria? Well, I mean, as a, as a black politician um, that has served uh, locally, um, statewide, uh, countywide, um, at some point, even when you follow the rules, you, you do everything that you're supposed to do, make sure that you check all the boxes, uh, he's still convicted. You know? and, and that, to me, is like, what, what must we do? You know, you lay out the rules, you, you provide the, uh, uh, you know, ground rules, and then it's like, oh, well, the jury was like, well, what do we do? As Lisa said, the, uh, the, the jury was not paying attention. I mean, uh, we get short shrift across the board uh, on, on almost everything, and, and for him to be convicted, what, what was interesting, uh, I can't remember where I saw this. It was on, on some feed, uh, but the pundits were like, this will probably be overturned. Mm -hmm. uh, no jury tampering, no issues of, of, um, from, from that standpoint. But, w but when you look at it, they were not, and I'm not sure if the judge didn't do his job. Um, they didn't do their job, basically, you know, because they were not informed properly. They didn't understand what was going on. So, you know, I mean, how <laughs> the other part is it's supposed to be a jury of your peers. Mm -hmm. uh, Jury and, 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 and black folks, brown folks, stop dodging the jury service notices that come to you because when you do that, you know, injustices happen. You know, and if you're not in the pool, you cannot affect change. Yep. You can't. And I'm not saying that you, you're supposed to take your jury and, oh, I'm, I'm going to make a point. No, you need to participate. We have to have representation across the board. And, and Mark clearly what, did not have the type of representation on the jury that he should have, in my opinion. Yeah, I've, um, I've had this thought myself as well, Pluria, um, and I understand what it means, of course, to be, um, I think I understand what it means um, to be judged by a jury of one's peers, and that doesn't mean that everybody's got to have a Ph.D. from USC like you do, um, MRT we're talking about, but it does mean you got to have a jury that understands the gravity of what, they're, of what they're up against, what they're dealing with, a jury that understands the issues that are being presented to them. I'm back to Lisa's point. When you're asking those kinds of rudimentary, fundamental, and basic questions, at one point even the judge herself sort of scoffed. When you recall this, Lisa, when, she, when they sent a note back asking, what is honest services? And she said, huh, services that are honest. I mean, the judge herself sort of scoffed at this. So, again, it seems to me that being judged by jury of your peers doesn't mean that people have the same pedigree that you have per se, but it does mean you are at least given a jury that has the wherewithal to handle, to process what it is they're up against. Again, not trying to rub on the jury, but it seems to so many of us uh, that this jury just was not equipped as perhaps they should have been to deal with a case, uh, again, of this magnitude. I digress on that point. Um, Regina Wilson joins us now from uh, California Black Media. I asked this question of others earlier, Regina. I ask you now, just broadly speaking, your observations about the trial and conviction of MRT. Well, I mean, I think that um, I've, like many, I I was watching it from afar, and um, what I was probably really trying to do is make sure that the media um, here locally have the resources they need to accurately cover it. You know, California Black Media really focuses on. Um, 
you know, um, you know, statewide issues. MRT was a definite. He was the uh, legislative Black Caucus chair um, at that time. I wasn't running California Black Media, but I know his work during that time in Sacramento. And so, you know, being able to watch this and being able to look at the headlines, um, being able to read the the, the Black newspapers, um, listen to the radio um, commentary around this, what what struck me is that. We needed just to be able to make sure that you guys were resourced to be able to continue to tell the stories that needed to be told, mm -hmm. asking the questions that needed to be asked. And I think a lot of times mainstream doesn't get that part right for whenever they're covering our community, no matter how many, unfortunately, African-Americans they may hire. This is no offense to any African-Americans that are working in mainstream, mm -hmm. but typically they just don't have that same gut. They don't get to come in and have those same discussions about, should we have asked this question? Should we have, you know, should we, should we have brought up that the FPPIC said, oh, this was illegal, this was legal, the, mm -hmm. the payment was legal. Mm -hmm. That was never really brought to my attention until I actually was talking with LA Focus and actually read their um, commentary mm -hmm. and it made me say, wow, wait a second, these are things that weren't brought to the forefront. So I really think that you know our role has been to look at this but try to make sure that the locals, mm -hmm. the people who are right here on the ground had the resources to be there in the room to cover um, to cover what was going on and make sure that the public saw another side, the nuances to mm -hmm. this case. Because I don't think that it was a case that was um, just like a slam dunk. No. This wasn't, you know, the the um, the gentleman that we all knew went in and unfortunately went in, what was it, Buffalo, New York. And we knew that he had a manifesto. We know that mm -hmm. he killed him, even though you have to say, hey, he allegedly is still yeah. allegedly. Mm -hmm. Right. You still had to say that. But, you know, but we know. Yeah. yeah. This was not that case. Mm -hmm. And I think that the black press and black media in, in general, being able to be there to pull out those nuances is is critically important yeah. and I think it'll be critically important whenever you look at the appeal and, and how people will, will look at this globally. I want to underscore your point about um, the mainstream media and what they oftentimes don't get and it's it's funny to me I see this I've seen this so many times in my career as have all of you at this table when you see it it jumps out it, it sticks out like a sore thumb you, you, you it just jumps at you see it so clearly and here's an example so the LA Times is covering this every single day but it takes Erica Smith to write this piece <laughs> in her column that black folk ain't really feeling this. And then Erica is everywhere. I mean, I've seen Erica on every TV channel, on every network, because everybody wants to talk to Erica Smith. Because Erica Smith is at the same paper as all these other writers who are covering this ostensibly. But Erica comes at it from a different perspective. She's talking to the right people. She's in the community. And she's, getting, she's giving you a different take on the way two different communities are seeing the very same situation. Uh, the very same circumstance but you can tell that when um when a black reporter at a mainstream publication writes something that gets everybody's attention uh, allowing them to see the world through a different prism as we say all the time this radio station at its best uh we are at our best when we're challenging folk to re-examine the assumptions they hold when we're helping people to expand their inventory of ideas allowing folk to see the world through a different prism and when a, uh, a black reporter at a black writer, opinion writer, in this case, at a white institution, mainstream institution, uh, says something like that, it gets everybody's attention because the way they see it is just so dramatically different. And I don't know, David, uh, if the world would ever be different. I don't know, I don't know if we'll ever see the same, uh, the same situation through the same lens. I agree. Uh, speaking on mainstream newspapers, I worked for the LA Times for many years. Mm -hmm. I also worked for alternative newspapers. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, the views that they have different greatly from how African-Americans see it. There were issues that have come up. For example, the Rodney King case. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people wanted to come to me to get my opinion. Mm-hmm. What was my thoughts? Mm-hmm. Because I think for the most part, they saw us coming with more of an, a, a genuine appeal mm-hmm. uh, where they didn't really drill down on the specifics and the facts and what could have happened and why it happened. You know, they wanted to know the reality from a, a black perspective. What yeah. is the real deal? Mm-hmm. So again, um, we see it differently. So that's why it's so relevant that we, as African-American media owners, tell our story. Yeah. Because our story is not going to get told by mainstream. No, you said uh, Rodney King, when you paused for a second, I thought you were going to the O.J. case. Cause that, well. that, is, that is the <laughs> ultimate example <Yes. laughs> of the way one community sees it one way, another community sees it another way, and I'm not sure, to my earlier point, that has changed much. Uh, but I think David's right, uh, and we'll get to this a little bit later, I think. Uh, the black media, the black press, to my mind, is more necessary and more relevant now than ever before, even in this multicultural, multiracial, multi-ethnic mix that we live called America, uh, because there's some stories that just don't get told if we don't tell them. There's some issues that don't get raised if we don't raise them. There are people doing great work who don't get profiled if we don't profile them. I digress, the black press more relevant now than ever before. We'll continue when we come forward, our conversation with members of the black media about the ways in which, the different ways in which that uh, they saw uh, the trial and conviction of Mark Rudy Thomas. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. A little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now. Right now. It does indeed. We continue our conversation with members uh, of the uh, black media in Southern California. Lisa Collins of the LA Focus. David Miller of our weekly. Regina Wilson, Executive Director of California Black Media. Pluria Marshall of Marshall Broadcasting Group, which includes the Wave newspaper here in Southern California. Uh, Lisa, we were sort of, uh, I say all the time, sometimes the best part of any radio program is the stuff that happens during the break that the audience <laughs> can't hear. Sometimes you can reprise that for radio, sometimes you cannot. In this case, I think we can. And that is the speculation that we were engaged in moments ago during that break about what happens in this trial if there is no black media presence. Again, KBLA had a reporter in the courtroom every day uh, to provide a daily download, Dion Raymond and Ariva Martin every day at 435 for the three weeks, this three or four weeks this case went on. But if there is no black media present, if there's nobody in that hallway, as you and Dion were recording what the jury forewoman said, which gave me the information I needed to then do an editorial, which we broadcast every hour for the, for the country to hear, on KBLA, but you were you were speculating during the break what happens in moments like these when there ain't nobody black around. Right, and I think in those moments we have to take the story that is framed for us mm-hmm. by the white mainstream media, and often that story is not the complete story. Mm-hmm. I think the defense attorney uh, pointed out that what was wrong with the story they presented in court was it wasn't the full story, Mm -hmm. that there were so many things left out of that story that didn't feed into their narrative of what they wanted to say happened Mm -hmm. with Mark. Um, I know that for me, this is the reason why we have black media. We have to tell our story because the mainstream press isn't as interested in our side of the story. Mm -hmm. I'm amazed at the number of people who just want to accept that given the fact that we are seven times, blacks are seven times more likely to be found guilty of anything. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, some people think the justice system just got it right, mm-hmm. you know, which is so amazing yeah. to me because every other day of the, of the week, yeah. 
they're talking about how the justice system doesn't get it right. right. So the people, so I say to people when they say to me, well, you know, he was convicted. And I say, well, did you look at the case? Did you know that this was legal? Did you know that the testimony was that the donations were legal? Did you know that none of the money went to Mark or his son? Did you know yeah. that there was a program involved? Do you know that he didn't change his vote? Did you know that the FBI mm-hmm. guy didn't talk to Mark, didn't talk to the staff, didn't talk to anybody at the county? Did you know all those things? I think that that leads to a different side, a different perception of a story. I take your point. Uh, it's one of the reasons, again, why we did um, what we did with the Justice Correspondent to try to condense every day, at least in a 10 or 12 minute segment, what happened in the courtroom today. Because I recognize, I've been black my whole life. I assume all y'all have been as well, uh, your whole lives. And we know what black folk are up against every day. Some of the reason why we can't tap in is because we're working two, three, four jobs, trying to make ends meet, and you don't have the luxury or being able to follow this every single day. You don't have the luxury of having an hour in your at your desk every morning to read the LA Times, to get caught up on what's going on in the world, whatever it is that you read. Um, and so you have to give them a, a condensed version at a very minimum of what happened today so they at least get another side. Um, and so I, I take your point, Lisa, that we've got to be there for our people in ways that other uh, folk might not be and to give it to them in ways that they find digestible. Um, did anybody see the, uh, the story? Because I've gotten a, a dozen phone calls or more about it. I, of course, I read it. You see, anybody see the recent piece by Gustavo Ariano in the Times? Lisa, you saw this? I see. Yeah. Okay. I so let, no, let, me, let me come. You saw it, David? No, I didn't see okay, it. Okay, let me come to you, Lisa, right, since you saw it. So I was fascinated by this piece. If you haven't seen the recent piece, uh, in the, I love Gustavo, great writer. Um, but he wrote a fascinating piece in the LA Times in his most recent opinion article about the way uh, many in the Latino community are viewing this. So they're viewing it through the lens of KDL, Kevin DeLeon, KDL versus MRT. And why it is that MRT is getting all this love. <laughs> and how the, the ways in which MRT is being treated and Kevin DeLeon, KDL, was not treated in that way. It's like they can't let this go. It's like the tape, what we heard on the tape, we heard on the tape. Don't even get me started, right? We heard what we heard, and they still, and I'm not trying to bag on our Latino brothers and sisters, and again, not everybody in that article, you know, Gustavo didn't talk to every Latino in the city, but he talked to a significant slice of them as he was moving around on primary night. His, his piece that he, that he wrote uh, was on primary night going from place to place and talking to Latinos, and everywhere he went, there was this conversation about KDL versus MRT. And it's like, again, to my mind, they won't let that go. And here again, you see racism, as far as I'm concerned, at play again, Lisa, when they won't accept that the community sees one person one way, given what he or she has done over a 30-year career. Uh, and, uh, and, and in a case, again, that somebody said it was not a slam dunk versus knowing what we heard on that audio tape. Reality. Reality. That's my read, Lisa. What's your read? Because it was it's a fascinating a, piece by Gustavo. It's the same. It's the same for me. We we heard what was said. Yeah. We didn't. There's no, no speculation. There, there's no speculation yeah, about yeah, what yeah. happened. Right. If you were in that courtroom during the deliberations, you could see the worry in the eyes of the prosecution. Mm-hmm. It looked like they were going to lose. Mm-hmm. They they wanted to call a last minute witness. Uh, it seemed like everything was going against them uh, until maybe the last day. Mm-hmm. So it. it Everyone was surprised when the, the verdict came out guilty. So I, I, I still have to go back to you had to be there. Mm-hmm. You had to know this case. You had to do that to, to be able to dissect that story as not relevant to what happened. Mm-hmm. Because, as you said, we all heard a tape. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know 
the ins and outs of this case. Yeah. So they're just going by what was what they've been fed by the yeah. mainstream media. Pluri, you think this? What do you think this does for? And everybody's everybody's speculating. Here's that word again. Everybody's speculating what this does to Mark's legacy. What's this do? And again, the case is on appeal. So this thing could be we could be having a whole different conversation a year from now or less. Um, but what do you think this does to MRT's legacy, Pluri? Well, I mean, Mark's legacy is um, it, it obviously has a stain mm-hmm. now. Um, you know, prior to I mean the the. The worst thing that you can say about Mark is he's just a, he's he's a hard guy. Mm-hmm. I mean he's he he is the man who he is. But but ultimately somebody's got to fight for what's right. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I mean personally, I mean when you say what we heard from DeLeon and and that pack of folks versus um, here's a man who has has done done right, and and it still baffles me that the jury hears this. He did nothing wrong, but you still convicted him. You know, I mean, how, how do you say, okay, I, I, I've done everything right, but maybe as as, as Lisa said, uh, some folks weren't paying attention. They, mm-hmm. you know, I got better things to do. Let, let me go home. Let me just get this, you know, off my plate. Uh, ultimately, I think the conviction will be overturned mm-hmm. uh, on appeal, and it it may go all the way to the uh, the Supreme Court of California. But ultimately, you know, Mark Mark will have to overcome this. Uh, I believe uh, he will. Uh, yes, it's going to be a challenge. Uh, but you know, vindication is always the you know the best revenge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Regina, you gonna say something? Yeah. Well, I was gonna just comment on. Sure. I mean, while I didn't read and I try not to comment on things that I haven't read yet. From the things that I've read about the some of the LA Times pieces, where there's those comparisons, mm-hmm. where you're comparing MRT to KDL or or, or MRT to other city council well, persons who MRT, were who were well, clearly or, guilty, yeah, yeah, yeah. But or MRT to, yeah. I guess I shouldn't say MRT, MRT supporters mm-hmm. to even Donald Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. I think that there is. In, we've had this debate even in our own newsroom that 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 there's a piece that they debated. Um, uh, with you know Donald Trump supporters versus MRT supporters, and I just thought that that in itself is probably very negative because mm-hmm. once somebody sees that, I know you have to read it, but once you really see it, the frame is wrong. It's the a wrong. Frame the frame is, is wrong. all wrong. The yeah. framing is right. totally wrong, and you just can't because he's done the work in the community. Mm-hmm. And when you think about Donald Trump supporters and the way the media is even framed, some of the Donald Trump supporters, you think, oh, they're crazy. So the first thing that people think are, oh. You know, MRT's uh, uh, mm-hmm. supporters are crazy, and I just think that it's just a bad comparison. Sometimes that mainstream, you know, really gets wrong. Yep. Um, one reporter whose name I will not call wrote a piece that I found just uh, stomach turning, uh, David. But her argument was that essentially MRT brought this on himself, and she is a black writer. Um, as as members of the black press, how do we how do we receive people who are you know who look like us who write stuff like that? Actually, David, that seems to be a problem for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because again, we have to stand together. You mentioned or asked a question about the outcome of MRT. I see his future still being bright. Mm-hmm. We got to look at what happened with Marion Barry. Mm-hmm. That was her <laughs> theme. <laughs> Guess what? Because his supporters believed so much in terms of who he was mm-hmm. and what he stood for, yeah. they turned around and voted him back in. Yeah, yeah. So without that being said, I think MRT has used up countless dollars, useless dollars, um, that he's worked hard to store and build up uh, to support his case. But needless to say, 
I'm praying that everything is working in his favor and that he will bounce back. But again, in order to bounce back, he truly got to keep the support of the African-American community. If we pull together as a nation, as a whole, we can truly make a difference. Uh, We'll leave it there. Um, We've done done this uh, for an hour today, and uh, I I take uh, Pluria's suggestion and others uh, uh, echoed uh, around this table the notion that perhaps we should do this more frequently. So. Uh, in the days ahead, maybe on this program or certainly on this station, we will convene another roundtable uh, of the black press, uh, the black media, to get their perspective on issues that matter to you. Uh, that's why we're here. And so I want to thank Lisa Collins uh, of LA Focus, David Miller of our weekly, Regina Wilson of the California Black Media, and Pluria Marshall of Marshall Broadcasting Group, uh, parent company of The Wave, uh, for coming to, to join us around this table. Thank you all. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you. Hour Thank two you. of Tavis Smiley. After news, traffic, and sports on KBLA Talk 15.